Well, hey, Joe and Daniel, um, we're going to chat. That's our first behind the sermon. Um, let's just jump right into like how you guys, when you think about Revelation, actually, well, let's do this. When you heard me say we're going to do Revelation, what happened in your uh, minds at that moment? Or was there a little bit of like, oh. I was thinking, well, I should have retired a little earlier. <laughs> there you go. I was hoping to, yeah. <laughs> Did you do? You did though some Revelation in I Hastings. I did Revelation one through three. Everybody does one through three. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, you know it has been so confusing, um, to be honest. Um, there's a few passages I, I pick and enjoy, you know, especially Revelation twenty-two, yeah. the new heavens and the new earth and the excitement of that. Um, I've oftentimes thought about Genesis 1 in light of Revelation 22 with a tree, mm-hmm. and um, but never really feeling confident enough to um, publicly teach it. I'd yeah. probably be okay discussing it with some friends. Um, so, yeah, I, I just feel, I feel like you had either you were just making a foolish choice or you were mm-hmm. being really courageous <laughs> and... Um, it's either really? one or the other every time. <laughs> totally. Um, but actually, now that we're into it and you've you know passed on some things for us to really be preparing, reading, um, you know, things as uh, practical as my, my prayer life mm-hmm. has taken on an imaginative, creative edge because of reading through this. And, and uh, yesterday morning, I decided I was going to listen to the entire book at one sitting. Oh, nice. And I felt like I was reading The Lord of the Rings, Narnia, um, in that other series that we're not supposed to read. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> um, I, I felt like caught up in the mystery and the majesty and all that I don't know yeah. about the power of God and his work you know, in history and so much more that we, you know, don't know. So yeah. it, it's, um, it's scary in terms of thinking that I will be able to handle it in a scholarly way. Exciting to think about what it's doing for me internally. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Daniel? I was excited. I, I mean, maybe naively now hearing Joe's thoughts. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I think Revelation has always had this, it, it has this intrinsic kind of mystery to it. I remember being in middle school and just being really intrigued and sitting down and over the course of a day or two just reading through Revelation and just feeling like it was like just all going over my head. And um, But at the same time, it was exciting and I was catching, you know, so there's certain things like what is, what are all these beasts that it's talking about and all these different like characters and the Antichrist and I think Revelation has always been this thing that's had this fear, anxiety edge to it for a Mm -hmm. lot of people. Um, And so as I've been able to learn and study more over the years, it's really become a place of a lot of hope and a lot of peace for me as as I just see kind of why did why did Jesus give us this in the first place? And, um, and so anyway, I I think in Joe kind of mentioned seeing the the story of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and how those things kind of 
find their, their completion. And I think for me, it's like in Revelation, you see um, it's not just all future stuff mm-hmm. and all this, like, it's not all just mystery. There's like some really practical stuff for me today. And also it just gives me, at least for, for me, it gives me like this place of there's a lot of big and hard questions that we ask about why is life the way it is right now. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff gets answered when you begin to see how Jesus is going to, you know, bring ultimate restoration and healing and stuff like that. So I just got really excited yeah. for it because especially in the last few years, I think with especially with COVID and just things politically in our country, people want to make other people feel really scared mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like the world is ending and you know so and so is gonna ruin everything or this is where you know this virus is gonna kill everybody and all this stuff so there's just been so much anxiety and i think it's good for us as god's children to get his perspective yeah. and i think we get that a lot in revelation yeah. You mentioned being in middle school, so I was a, my first youth pastor job was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was a typical unprepared youth pastor when it came to Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're like getting all this stuff together, and then you're like, oh yeah, I probably should have a message too. <laughs> and so I remember getting in front of, it was actually, that was the Sunday morning, and I remember because we had these little modular buildings um, with like classrooms and stuff, and so I had all these middle schoolers, and they're just like, bouncing off the walls, messing with each other. And so I was like, what do you guys want to study? And every single one of them, revelation, (laughs) we want to do it. I was like, oh, okay. You know, I think we made it through probably the first three. (laughs) Just because the letters, they're a little bit more, they're easier to talk about. Um, It is kind of weird. We've, I think we've, now that like, and we've, we've all been doing this together for years where we, listen and try to decide where we're going and how interesting, how many times the Lord has picked something for us and how he gets us on it. And just, it seems to be right on time and exactly what we need to study. Um, I did the same thing. I'd I'd been reading a bunch uh, of kind of books just to get my heart ready and thinking about it and listen to a podcast. Um, Scott McKnight, his book, one of the ones that we're reading, uh, revelation for the rest of us and I heard him talking about it and I was like I've never had that perspective mm-hmm. like I've only had the one that has been popular for a couple hundred years which is the more speculative futurist um, dispensational kind of approach and that was the one I thought it was like you know you didn't really know anything else um, and so just to think of something else but so I'd read and read and then I sat down and I was like all right I'm gonna open up this book and I'm just gonna read it uh, and I was just going to read the first chapter and I, with this new perspective in my heart and just approach, and also with that lens that we've talked about in our licensing stuff um, of, okay, the number one proof for saying this is the word of God is the Holy Spirit telling you this is the word of God. And so I just said, you know, Holy Spirit, help me. I read through that first chapter and I was just tears. I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, something was, it was like so poignant and direct and it's super clear in the first few chapters what's happening and, and what he's saying about himself, um, saying to John, what, what's happening with John, what's happening with the churches. But it was, it was really interesting, like how, you know, like a, a, some, how some of the other scriptures say, you know, a word, a good word in season or, you know, some of those proverbs. It's, 
it's like it's like the best thing ever. Like it's exactly what you need—a word of encouragement, or mm -hmm. a, you know, it's the kind of a Kairos moment mm -hmm. um, that Jesus came in the fullness of time. And so sometimes I feel like we have those as a church. Um, why does the futurist, a little more escapist, get us out of here? God's going to judge everything. Um, you just wait till he comes, like kind of that approach, uh, which are some of the tenets of the more popular interpretation. Why does that feel better for people in the culture that we live in? Why do they, why do we grab onto that so easily? Or why, why do you think it has become popular in the West? Because that's also been interesting that it's the West. What would you guys say? Like what, why do we grab that and want to just say, yes, that's the one. <laughs> I do think that a big part of it is just um, I think it it gives a strange sense of control hmm. to feel like I know exactly what's going to happen mm -hmm. and um, and so I think most people in general obviously there's kind of the, the people that'll put up billboards and like this is the date that you know I don't think most people take it that way yeah. but it is it is a little bit of like this control that that we sense and I think people felt that even like through COVID you know mm -hmm. it's like how often are you checking the news what's going on now what are the numbers now and I think we treat revelation that way a little bit mm -hmm. um, of just wanting to know what's happening and seeking for a certain amount of control in that and I think in um, the I think the other thing at least that I've, I've so I felt that personally the other thing that I've felt is that it's like you just kind of hope the rapture is going to happen like right now and just take you out of here. Yeah. And because you just don't want to deal with the reality of things. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I think there, there can be an, a healthy kind of hope in Christ's return. And I think there can also be an unhealthy one um, that that causes us to disengage. Right. And just to say, you know, well, Jesus is going to just take all this out or he's gonna you know warp me out of here and then you know i won't have to deal with it I, so those are the two of the things that i've personally felt yeah um with that interpretation that i think is is alluring to that and um so i don't know and i and i think it also like it it's it's for me coming back around and reading revelation with with kind of a new lens it's it's helpful to remember that I think when I read it before, it was like, okay, I read about Gospels, Jesus. Now I'm reading Revelation, Jesus. Yeah, and it's the <laughs> same Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to. I think, I think, I think when you start to bring those, what you know about Jesus as He's revealed in the Gospels, and then how Jesus is showing us Himself yeah. in Revelation. Um, I think when you start to bring those things together, it starts to make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm and what his priorities are and what he's trying to do and even what he's trying to communicate in the whole book. So I think that's part of the reason why it's so popular though is because it gives us a sense of control mm -hmm. and also like sort of in an unhealthy way takes away my responsibility yeah. that I have to engage in God's, you know, God's mission for me and for the church. Yeah. I, um, I like what you said about Gospels Jesus versus Revelation mm -hmm. Jesus. Um, it made me think also of how we have wrongly said Old Testament God versus New Testament God. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you know, we I think we portray this when we speak, and so just so hopefully people that are listening, like how we talk like this is how we talk on Sunday too, because that's all we know to do. <laughs> like we're learning, there's no like, we're prepared and we're gonna present this thing on Sunday. And so uh, one of the things I love about the way we have approached scripture and even preaching and pastoring um, is there are things that we've known for a long time and then we're in this place of unlearning mm-hmm. and learning how to um, sometimes read scripture with new lenses. And so that one for me of seeing God as, because if you actually dig into the Old Testament, you have a God of mercy and grace and compassion and endless <laughs> fuse <laughs> for people. And then even when they have rejected him outright for the hundredth time, you know, this morning, just reading in Hosea, you know, he's like, I'm st- I can't give up on you. <laughs> like, I just can't. You're my kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to draw you with cords of love, mm-hmm. of human kindness. And so uh, that's been huge for me to see. Because also with the, and when I say the current popular interpretation, I am saying one that I have been part and parcel to for as long as I've n- known anything about the book of Revelation. Why I steered clear of it as well as you, but also I believed it. And so one of those things was that, yeah, the Gospels kind of gave us the gentle Jesus a little bit, but then Paul hinted at, and then for sure, Revelation just unleashes again the God of, you had your chance. I was showed you who what I could really do in the Old Testament, and that I would burn you alive, and then I gave you a gentle view with Jesus, and now I'm coming back as this, rah, you know, and it's so wrong. <laughs> it's just not in there, but it does give control. It does does help um, sometimes alleviate fears. Um, it, it, but it also, I think, perpetuates the us versus them. You punt on the Great Commission. You punt on the Great Commandment. And elections become times to decide who is of the beast and who is right, of the right. lamb. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not definitely not what I, I see the Lord has done. Um, I think the approach that we're trying to take as um, as a teaching team is we're gonna we're gonna let the scriptures teach us. We're not going to we're trying not to have a hermeneutical lens first. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that has happened is we've allowed ourselves to really consider what it might felt felt like what it might have felt like for John and for his fellow brothers and sisters mm-hmm. um, to live at that time. And the more we understand about uh, the, the ways in which Rome was treating people, yeah. and particularly uh, Christians in, in, in those first uh, couple hundred years, we, <clears throat> we can relate to that mm-hmm. more. Rather than seeing this as something in the future, John was really writing to people that were really feeling um, the horrendous heavy hand of a government that uh, just wanted to be the top and wanted to have control. And we see this this incredibly um, kind of um, unpredictable... Uh, visual of a lamb yeah. <laughs> against a dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sometimes what it feels like for Christians yeah. in a big, scary world. 
to think about how am I going to make it? You know, we, we think about that raising our kids in this culture or trying to make wise decisions financially, mm -hmm. um, trying to, you know, take care of ourselves as best we can physically, emotionally, but it's crazy out there. Mm -hmm. And so there's been some one-to-one -one relationship already with my own experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I appreciate that because that is the biblical lens to think about the world. That it, yeah. This is enemy territory. This is going to be hard for you to hold the line as a follower of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and not want to capitulate to the culture. That's all in there. Now, the, the beautiful thing about Revelation is, and the challenging thing is I have not been able to use my training and hermeneutics from this, my seminary education to mm. really use those same tools in this. Yeah. It's a completely different genre than we were ever trained to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of that is exciting to me. Uh, one of the things that um, you have had us read is uh, to read some things about how John, the author, chooses to use the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. and, and when then in that, we learned that there's no book in, in all of the New Testament that quotes more Old Testament than yeah. the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And it stars in the area of Psalms first. Mm -hmm. um, and But the way that John uses the Old Testament, I've never read a book on I've never understood I've never been taught in a class in terms of inter interpretation tools mm. he, because he misuses all those yeah. things that I you know that I've come to understand so that's making that's exciting to me it, it doesn't mm -hmm. frustrate me it's like oh okay yeah. that's why I, it's been so hard for me to study to the point where I feel confident teaching somebody else because my tools just have not worked mm. in that um, yeah so yeah so I think maybe the popular view of this the last couple hundred years maybe has come because we have a, we've been trained in a certain way to interpret scripture, yeah. the majority of the authors in the West, um, and we're going to land then in some really, we want a nice, neat yeah. equation that fits our hermeneutic lens, and I just think that's hurting us in terms of really understanding and applying this uh, to our our time now, so yeah. I don't know. I I really I, part of the, and I think this is a little bit of our mo around here as well. Like I think about any book of the Bible, um, and yeah, where you're running through those things that we've been trained to do, which you know we we know to look at the grammar, mm -hmm. um, and so Greek for Revelation. We know to if it connects back to something in the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at Hebrew. We know to look at history. Um, original context, and so, um, but yeah, you have a different genre in that Revelation calls itself a prophecy, a letter, and it's apocalyptic. Yeah. And so it's it's all of the above. I think what's helped me in some of the study that we've done is to think about, and, and this is going to be good for us as the church, and it's good for my own heart. But we have we need a new we need a category for apocalyptic literature mm -hmm. that doesn't include a mushroom cloud. <laughs> Like, that's what most people think. I was actually talking with somebody yesterday, and they said, I'm really, we're, I'm so glad the way you guys are approaching it, because I saw the, the graphic that you guys made. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, I said, I know, it's the typical, like, 
here's everybody and the sky's just lighting up with fire and you know which i still think every eye to see at some point when jesus comes back is it's going to be phenomenal but it is how people think apocalyptic i think i heard the the word yesterday in the news mm-hmm. and everybody uses it the same way nobody uses it the way revelation uses it which is that is the word for apocalypse revelation the revealing the unfolding but learning how to be okay with and you know we've what is the original audience hearing why was it written to them it had a local fulfillment and of course it has a future fulfillment this is the bible mm-hmm. <laughs> like the bible is you know timeless and it does it, it kind of has a way of of traveling um and, and so learning how to do that has been good for my own heart and i think we're all we're probably all just in this place of like okay this will be sweet to see where it goes and to see what what the lord reveals because but we first have to ask the question what did it mean for them and so you joe's mm-hmm. mentioning you know when you're hearing babylon and we're going to get into this some stuff but for them they would have easily and this is the part that's great easily knew it was they were talking about rome mm-hmm. um but john is doing way more because he's writing with the holy spirit and it is babylon is going to be timeless it's going to move um but the beast easily identified as some of these corrupt dictators, Domitian. Um, and, and so I think it, that's just been a, a really good tool to think about knowing that the people that heard it the first time did not have Bibles. Mm-hmm. They heard it maybe once, um, maybe took a few mental notes, maybe somebody wrote some stuff down, but then it went to the next city and it was like, wait, what was he talking about? Beast, dragon, blood, locusts yeah i'm so encouraged in the lord (laughs) but they actually were like it it gave them you know some understanding daniel have you had over the last few years like i think we've all been on talk a little bit about our journey in just having new voices on how to look at scripture Uh, like tim mackey michael heiser uh different ways just and even through our licensing process process and I know you're doing seminary classes as well like what has God done in your own heart as you've started to be like okay I can't just do the what's this mean to me you know like what how have you been encouraged and what are some things that might be encouraging to people that are like I'm never going to be in a seminary class but what what's the kind of stuff that I need to know yeah well, I think one of the things is like there's so many, there are so many helpful resources out there. If people like you don't have to have a seminary degree, you don't have to be, a, you know, you don't have to be a, have a doctorate in New Testament theology or something like that, um, or even know the original languages, you know, and be able to read. You, know, you don't have to do that stuff to be able to interact with the Holy Spirit and His Word. Yeah. But I think the thing that I would just encourage that, you know, I've been trying to, experience more myself and I would encourage other people to do is just to let the text speak for itself mm-hmm. and you know the, with the whole of scripture mm-hmm. and just try like as you're reading this thing don't just pull that one thing and just like you know but try to think about it in all of the stuff that God has revealed and all the things that you've experienced in his word and just be looking for connections and asking the Holy Spirit because really, ultimately, I think we get the clearest picture of what God is trying to communicate when we begin to um, see the connections that he's making throughout yeah. Scripture. Yeah. Like, like for, for me, one of the things as I've been reading through Revelation 
recently, one of the one of the other passages of scripture that came to mind, and and Joe kind of brought it up, was is you know obviously in Revelation we get this pretty high and lofty view of Jesus, mm-hmm. and right out of the gate, I'm the Alpha and Omega, I'm the one who you know died and now I'm alive. It's yeah. kind of like these huge big things about who Jesus is, and then you also still it still maintains, but he's still the Lamb mm-hmm. who was slain. And so there's both of those things going on, and it made me think of Paul in 1 Corinthians where he's talking about God used the weak things to shame the strong. Mm-hmm. He, he used the seemingly foolish things to shame the wise. And that you still, he's still kind of doing that same exact thing in Revelation, that the weakness of God is stronger the weakness of god is stronger than the strength of people and and so anyway just like even that just sheds a different light on maybe i should be looking for that Mm -hmm. how is god's weakness you know perceived Mm -hmm. like him not doing things him doing things in a way that seems like that's foolish Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be how i would do that and then see how he still has like this amazing ultimate victory, just like he did on the cross. And that's what Paul is ultimately talking about there. He's like, so the only thing we have to boast in is Christ crucified. And so I think, so that just came to mind as I was reading through Revelation again. So it's like, how do I see, because, because as much as he's saying all these amazing things, and you're getting these pretty stunning visual pictures of Jesus mm-hmm. on the white horse with his, you know, his name written on him and all these different things. Um, he's still the lamb who was slain. And so it's like, I, you know, it's, so it just, it gives me a different thing of like, all right, Holy Spirit, help me to see Christ crucified yeah. through revelation. And it sheds a different light versus coming with, I've seen the left behind series. And so how do I see that in revelation? Yeah. You know? And so I think it's just a it's it's a different approach. Like, how, how does God's word show me more of God's word mm-hmm. um, versus how do I take other things um, and and bring it into that? But I think so. I think that's just like on a really basic level. I think that's something that everybody can do, no matter what. We we're all going to come with our own experiences and our own kind of interpretive lens when it comes to the scripture. So I think one of the most important things more than anything else is just to come with a lot of humility and be willing to listen to other people Mm -hmm. and especially people who you maybe disagree with and just think about it and not, because I think our, our tendency is to be reactionary because a lot of times, like, unfortunately the way we're taught theology is with this like, heavy-handed, fear-based, if you get this wrong, Mm -hmm. then, Mm -hmm. you know, and so to, to let, um, to let the Lord just speak through what are the, what does this actually say? Mm -hmm. And to, and again, I think we have such a, for, for me at least, and for people in America, we have such a America centric, like we're, America is not in the Bible. Yeah. Certainly, it is present and real to us by the Holy Spirit and the way His Word is living and active. But this wasn't written to me. Right. Um, and so I need to try to understand a little bit of what was going on in, in the time. So I Absolutely. think there's a lot of helpful resources out there that's like right at people's fingertips to grab and just get some context on who was this written to or whatever. If you've got a good study Bible, almost inevitably there's going to be some great information before you... Every, every book of the Bible you could read that they'll yeah. give you some context and stuff like that. So just having some little pieces of the puzzle like that are super helpful yeah. um, 
And I, I think that's something that's really, it's, it's simple and it's easy, it's doable for everybody. Yeah. The piece about humility, and we keep coming back to that, for those of you who don't know, this is one of our main things we say around being leaders in the body of Christ is to get low and to humble ourselves. And so two of my favorite um, biblical scholars and uh, you know people that well, I... Thank you. He's talking about us yeah, right now. Yeah, right here. Yeah. It's Joe and Daniel. <laughs> yeah, Actually, is, and that is... what we were waiting for, man. <laughs> so, I, well, to not throw the butter, but I'll throw the butter a little bit your way. Um, is, actually, they, these two are, I mean, you guys are and have been people that I look to. And, and if, if I think I'm off, and I've actually done this to both of you, I'll come and say, hey, am I off on this? <laughs> and sometimes there's some really good words, but two people that I'm reading, and we've mentioned many times, Michael Heiser, Tim Mackey, mm-hmm. um, I was actually mad at when I first started listening to them mm-hmm. because it pushed against my, but this is how I was taught mm-hmm. and this is what they say. And, you know, unfortunately, the my kind of background <laughs> is a little bit theological police um, of just this, like it's this way or the highway, kind of what you're talking about, Daniel. And so, man, it's so much more fun to mm-hmm. approach and be like, okay, all right, Lord, help me. Is there something here? And it's weird. Once you actually let him do that, uh, things start to fall away and there's a sweetness to the word of God and there's like anxiety kind of moves at least to the side a little bit. Um, and you're able to say, okay, well, I want to I learn. And this yeah. is not important to necessarily hold my, and when we use the word hermeneutic, it's just, it's a, it's a lens. It's a way to look at the scripture and how to interpret. That's what that word means. But many times the way we are using, instead of letting the scripture speak to us, we are letting tradition dictate how we look at it. And so our hermeneutic almost has a, a wrapping Mm -hmm. that is whatever background or something or people we've been around. And so, um, to allow God to just speak and, and to get there to some of the original stuff, to ask the question, who was it written to, does not betray that it is the word of God and it's applicable right. to all of us, right. um, but it does help us understand the context of what was happening in their lives. I think it actually does honor to the people that, for John and for those churches that really were struggling, mm-hmm. it, it honors them and their um, place in as a part of the great cloud of witnesses. I mean, I imagine if there's like somebody from the church in Ephesus or Smyrna or Philadelphia um, that is is up a part of the great cloud of witnesses and are cheering us on and praying for Pleasant Valley to get it, mm-hmm. to hear. Like, imagine when sometimes like when some of the stuff over the multiple ways of interpreting Revelation over the years and they hear something, they're like, no, <laughs> that's that's not what, we, what was happening for us anyway. Maybe, you know, but... Um, it does bring questions and it, it gives you the freedom to ask good questions. And I know we had one um, that came through and I had one indirect, but the one that came through, um, and Joe, I'll let you answer this one. Okay. Note to put you on the spot, but I think you can do fine. Um, the person asked, is it about Jesus or from Jesus? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ and it's what Jesus Christ revealed. Mm-hmm. It's both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it, all like I, when I heard that, because I, I I thought just the first one, mm-hmm. but to know that it's about him and he's like, and by the way, yeah. I'm going to do this. Right. I'm going to reveal this to you. Right. Um, we are Jesus 
centric around here, and it may be to a fault. <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully not. But I'm re- I'm willing to go down on that Jesus ship, mm-hmm. um, and, and so we that it's it's about him and that he's delivering it to us is just awesome. The other question that I had, and uh, is. So, and this, I appreciate the humility of the individual who asked this. It was after the first week. And I've seen the work of the humility of Jesus, the Philippians 2 type of mm-hmm. truth starting to work its way through the body. And as I'm watching my own heart become softened, I'm watching others who maybe have been a little more rigorous and strict on certain things come forward and, and say, okay, I'm willing, I'm willing to go here and to understand that it's for this original audience or that there are things going on. And there's a really kind of cool childlike question. Do you think though that it also speaks to things that are happening now hmm. and things that will happen? And, um, and so I'll, I'll just speak to that. And then, you know, if you got some additional thoughts is absolutely, mm-hmm. um, absolutely because of the timelessness of scripture. Um, we mentioned, in last week about are we in the end times um, and a definition of the end times that I've come to kind of land in and I think is a safe one is that the end times started when Jesus left and I haven't even thought about this uh, Hebrews chapter 1 mm-hmm. uh, God has spoken in many ways in the past but in these last days mm-hmm. I was like mm-hmm. what? It's like it's the same words for the end times, the last days he has spoken through his son. Mm -hmm. And so uh, our loose definition, I think most of us would land here around uh, around these parts, um, is that the end times are the period in between Jesus' ascension and return. And so, yes, we're in it. um, But also the truth that these churches, and I think we're just going to be able to see this more, that they experience the, the ability to thrive and persevere and stay connected to Jesus during this time is something that we're all asked to do. And we're all asked to live as if these were the last moments of time on earth as it is um, until God restores new creation. But that also there, are, there were local fulfillments in Babylon and the beast and there have been throughout the centuries, and we're gonna be studying more of this, but there are Babylon-type tendencies in my own heart. Mm-hmm. There are anti-Christ, all that word is not in Revelation, I found out. Shoot, it's not in there. <laughs> <laughs> Lawless one is in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are anti-Christ <laughs> tendencies in Chad. There are Babylon-type tendencies in Chad, mm-hmm. and those things are found in nations, mm-hmm. and probably almost everyone. Um, the things that we're going to find out about. So yes, does, but maybe not to the extent which people usually try to do that this event, COVID or 9-11 or Y2K or, I mean, you can't, there's so many that mm-hmm. where they've tried to do these things over the centuries. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it's, whenever we're trying to do that, pin it down to a specific thing, that seems to be where we kind of make mistakes. You guys thoughts on those? That second question there about just <clears throat> speaking to current events. I think we all feel this charge in our culture about the political divisiveness and then so many layers to that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> and so the what this is I, I think intended to do is to get I, I first of all let me let me back up and then I'll go back to that. I am going to always remember the statement from last Sunday morning about walking in the spirit in the dirt. Mm. Um, that's such a picture of life um, that Christ has asked us to do, that Christ himself modeled. Yep. And then he says, follow me in that. It's going to be messy. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be hard. But you have the spirit. You have everything you need um, to, to live a godly life mm. to the end. Um, and that, what was the question again? <laughs> Just uh, does... Does Revelation speak to oh, current yeah. events and future events? Yeah. So, so there's this other thing that um, I'm also studying through the book of Matthew on my own personal study right now. And the, the theme of that book is that Jesus Christ came to establish a kingdom, mm -hmm. the kingdom of God, and he called it the gospel of the kingdom of God. So he ties the gospel message with the authority, the kingdom of God. And so what the church in i think in jesus's mind is to be is to be this um alternative almost dissident mm -hmm. kingdom on the planet and i really experienced that in reading this time through the book of revelation that these people saw themselves as part of a kingdom other than the kingdom that was so messed up and was so aggressively um horrific towards people um, and, and so, so, so that co that comment that you made, or that point that you made about walking in the spirit and in the dirt, kind of reminded me of this big picture of um, the Bible's uh, calling us to submit ourselves to the kingdom of God through the gospel, through the good news, mm -hmm. and to live this alternative, weird, upside down yeah. world. And we're just getting that more from the Book of Revelation, what it felt like in really tough times mm -hmm. to walk under the king kingship of jesus christ um but make it yeah um and i, I don't know if that's answering your yeah. question yeah. but um that that's um that's beautiful for me mm -hmm. it's affirming so many things that i want um my family and my church family to more and more walk yeah in, so yeah well that's good dan any thoughts there yeah i think i think there's there's this thing about just the way that both the the way that the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture, mm -hmm. um, and then even the way that we as humans can both get, we can kind of get some context for now, often by looking back. And yeah. I don't know if you remember kind of when COVID was hitting, people... I blocked it out. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about COVID a lot today, but maybe it just feels apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, the... One of the things that a lot of people were talking about was like back in the early 1900s when they were dealing with the Spanish flu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they had a lot of the same things going on with like masks and different stuff like this. And, and so it's like the, it's, the, it's new to us. Mm -hmm. It's happening. It's present for us now. But it's not new in human history. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think when you look at the things that are described in Revelation, you can find correlations all throughout history of like, that is that. That's exactly what he's talking about there. All throughout history. Um, but it also feels so present because we see the same kind of correlation happening now. And I think part of it's just because um, this is just what it looks like to live in a fallen human world. Yeah. So... Um, 
And, and then ultimately, though, the promise of Jesus is that he's going to come back. And we know from other places in Scripture, specifically like Peter writes about how the reason he's not back yet is because he wants to build a bigger family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing that. Yep. And so part of it is part of it is we are, you know, somewhat patiently, but also somewhat impatiently mm-hmm. longing for his return. And also at the same time, understanding that, like you've said many times, Chad, that he's doing, he's arranging the events of human history so that the most people will come to faith in Jesus yeah. and will be, you know, adopted as his kids. And so I, I think it's, it's very, it's extremely present for yeah. today. It's extremely applicable for today. Um, just not, just not, not always in the unique and special way that we kind of take yep. it to be like, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, and I say that carefully, you mm-hmm. know, but, but it, it's not, and I think you even said, I think, think you had said something like this sometime in the last two weeks too, but it's not this thing where it was like, um, you know, this was written to whatever the, so the church in Ephesus that we're going to get into, yeah. it's not like they read this and they're like, oh, well, we don't understand any of this except for the thing that was written directly to us right. and all this other stuff. I guess that's going to happen in 2,000 years for Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, no, this stuff felt like, oh, my gosh, this is happening yeah. right now. Like, it's really coming true. And even just as things unfolded for them, they were, you know, that's what they were thinking. They're yeah. feeling the same things we are. So I think that's just a helpful piece of context and it's it's really the beauty of God's word just like we would read the book of Ephesians mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it was written to them and they're like oh my goodness this mm-hmm. is so real in my life mm-hmm. and we read it today we feel the same thing mm-hmm. or like just the just yesterday we were looking at Jesus and the disciples mm-hmm. you know on the lake and they in this huge storm and we can imagine being disciples of Jesus and we're having this encounter with Jesus even today although we weren't in that boat 2000 yep. years ago we're having this encounter in revelation of Jesus said it's like oh my goodness he is powerful and he does disciple us in difficult ways and yeah. these kind of things so I think that's just how scripture works so we Absolutely. need to we need to hold that yeah. both at the same time yeah and we're we talked about the way we're going to we can learn from all of the different you know approaches mm-hmm. I can say that the one that is has been popular the last couple hundred years the one thing that it does bring is this sense of urgency mm-hmm in your heart to be ready. And that's amazing. That's amazing. That's something that you want to grab onto. Um, But I know that some of the things that maybe where it has aired, even one author that admitted, like they they were trying to do real specific, and we're not even there yet, but like locusts Mm -hmm. in in Revelation. And they had, those are helicopters. Those are helicopters in the 20th century. And you're like, okay, really? And then they came back and was like, well, that's not, no, it wasn't helicopters. You know, maybe it's something else. Hmm. Um, and so we want to be responsible and not jump to those conclusions. It's this, mm-hmm. and it can't be anything else. Um, so we didn't have uh, a ton of questions. Uh, and so, you know, folks that are listening and, and people at Pleasant Valley, hopefully you'll, ha- you'll have more stuff. Because that's what we're doing is we're just, we're digging in together. We're asking questions. We're learning. Um, we'll we'll finish this week's, um, but we look forward to kind of jumping in more. And if you do have questions or even disagreements, I think we'll we'll do our best to mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to address those things and and tell you kind of how we um, maybe are learning to hold things in tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably what I, unless they're major majors, 
like Jesus being the only way <laughs> to salvation or this being God's word, things like that. When it's a minor, which the way you interpret Revelation um, is a minor, unless you make it a major and you say right, it's not about right. Jesus, then I'm right. going to be like, let's go. You know, uh, but if we're gonna we're gonna hold those things and and we'll look at them. We'll we'll consider things. But um, so we'll wrap it. Thanks everybody. Thanks y'all. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, till next time behind the sermon. Yes. You got more to say? No, I just was gonna greet the man of soil, the soiled man. <laughs> yes, Carl. It's and, a shout out to the soiled man. Yeah. The man Job of the security soil. for us guys. <laughs> the soiled man. Awesome. All right, first episode behind the sermon. <laughs>